Welcome, welcome to our episode two podcast. We are your hosts. I'm Basecamp. And I am Yetterly here. <laughs> yes. There you go. That's it right there. So, Basecamp. Yes. What are we talking about today? So, we were thinking what we would talk about is our gear loadout for the beginning of our hike. And then kind of give you guys our anticipation build-up feeling leading up to the beginning. And then when we started. What a teaser. I know. I know. It's going to be a lot. There were a lot of emotions flying everywhere before we started. Uh, it was great. I guess let's begin. Shall we? It's weird for me to call you Yeti mm-hmm. since I call you Wesley. This is Wesley is his like real name. Mm-hmm. And I'm Marie. Wesley is my name in the cotton world. <laughs> I'll, gi- I'll give a shout out to a hiker named Crush who calls the quote unquote real world the cotton world. The actual real world in reality is, is the trail world. And it makes sense now that we're back, I think, because when you're out there, this is a little side tangent, but when you're out there for that long, and you are immersed in nature and you get on the cycle of the sun even and you're just your body is in such a good detoxing space you really do feel for nature i feel like like you you really do start bonding and realizing how much it protects you and cares for you and gives to you and then you come back into society after all of that and you're like whoa like everybody's grinding just trying mm-hmm. to like make it in trying to make money to survive or you know they're stressed out popping pills to go to sleep drinking to forget their sorrows and you've been riding an endorphin high for five to six months out there hiking every day and that's the only high that you really need that's it so it's like a culture shock when you're coming back and it i get the cotton world term now man we'll have to bring crush on so that he can explain more in depth what he means by cotton world i get it now being back so, um, thanks for that crush. Yes. Thanks, man. Moving on so, to our gear. Our gear. Wesley, would you like to explain, since Wesley was the one who kind of, uh, he's the one who researched a lot of our gear beforehand. <clears throat> yeah. Um, but would you like to talk about that? Yes. So to start out, we had a shit ton of gear. Excuse my French, but we had a lot. It's okay. I think we can cuss. In our packs, um, they're what, 70, 75 liter packs, max weight of 60 pounds. They're the Hyperlite Southwest 4400 packs, the biggest version of the Southwest that you can get. We love those packs. So really, we had them filled, packed, crammed. To the brim. Almost to the brim when we started. The reason we had our packs so full is because we did start in March, and despite being in the desert, it does get cold at night. It does. It gets very cold. And we're talking some nights below freezing temperatures. And also, we had a lot of gear with us that we intentionally knew we wanted to bring, but wouldn't use in the desert. Like, we had hiking crampons, which weigh... A lot. Over a pound per pair, and we had our ice axes with us from day one in the desert as well. Clearly, you're not going to use them... 
at the start, but we wanted to have that stuff with us just in case it was sketchy in the Jacintos. And we wanted to kind of get used to the weight of that much stuff on our backs by the time that we got to the Sierra Nevadas around mile 700 or so. We didn't want to go and be, you know, hoofing it through the snow with weight that was just breaking our backs. And we had been informed by someone that a lot of people gave a lot of reputation to in the hiking world. And I think, you know, looking back, we were assuming it it would be like Colorado. It would be freezing every night. We would be going through crazy intense snow. I guess you're talking about the Sierras. Yeah, yeah, in the Sierras. Also the desert, though. Like hearing it could even get down to zero in the desert. And, you know, we experienced some pretty intense potential hypothermia here in Colorado when we were testing out gear. And so we were like, you know what? 15 degree bags isn't going to cut it because what we're hearing is in May in the Sierras, it's going to be so cold. We're going to get snowstorms. I mean, we even had our four season tent on standby in case. Just in case. Just in case. We were going in with like, we got to get boots. We have to get crampons. We got to get you know, ice axe, all this stuff, which, yes, I think an ice axe and crampons was very helpful in the Sierras Mm -hmm. when we went in. But the rest of our loadout, I would say, are sleeping bags. So what we originally packed, um, our sleep system, first and foremost, I had the Thermarest X-Therm, which is about a pound. You had the yellow one, which is the the, X-Therm Air? Neo Air, something like that. Neo Air, the yellow one, which a lot of people have. Yeah. We each had a Sea to Summit sleeping bag liner. Um, it adds 14 degrees Fahrenheit. And, <laughs> then, we had- and then we had our um, <laughs> negative 40 degrees sleeping bags. <laughs> Which is why I'm giving context to why we brought this stuff in. Because we had heard from a reliable source how cold it was going to be in the Sierras. And how we needed to like, you know, like prepare for the worst. Because that's what it's going to be. And so I was like, well, I don't want to get frostbite or hypothermia. Yeah. So let's take our negative 40s. However, we were extremely warm and cozy, even in the desert and in the Sierras. We were. In hindsight, I still would have taken the negative 40 degree four pound sleeping bag with me. I wouldn't have. But that's me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I would have changed it. We had, some, we had some pretty cold nights out there. And we had uh, Thermarest pillows, which are very large and cozy. They're about seven ounces a piece. So that wraps up our sleep system. For other gear, I mean, we had... Our Sawyers. We had our, our Sawyer squeeze. We had our cook pots. 1.1 liter Tokes pots. They're not very heavy. We started out with MSR Pocket Rocket 2s. Each of us had one. We each had lightweight. Uh, titanium sporks for mm-hmm. our cook system. And then we had uh, ursacs and little stuff bags um, to put our food in at night, really just for critter prevention at that point early in the desert and also to get accustomed to the weight of the ursac because they're not very lightweight. Mm-mm. In the desert, you have to carry a lot more water. So we had, what was it? Was it six liters total per person? We each, we each carried... About six to seven two, is what we could. Two one-liter smart water bottles, and we each had a three-liter Seenock bladder. It was one and a half was our water, our liters. I remember carrying three big bottle. I had... Three liters. Okay, well, I had... Oh, you had different. I had two right. one-liter smart waters. And I had one and a half. I did the bigger ones at the start. You did. Mm-hmm. You did. So we were carrying a lot of vessels for water. 
So we were golden on that. Mm -hmm. As far as electronics go, um, I had an Anker. I can't remember the Anker specific model, but it was about 12 to 14 ounces, so not lightweight. I was carrying a Garmin GPS 66i with me, and that has a full screen so you can see and look at maps on it, uh, which we figured would be helpful. It's a pretty nice one, yeah. In the backcountry, but it was a little heavy. Yeah. And then we just had charging cables and like a little lantern for our tent at night. <laughs> yeah. So I had a half-size onker and then charging cables. Yeah. I'm trying to think, is there anything else that we had but other than the tent we had a three season tent it was a three person nemo nemo dagger. dagger three person it was like a mansion it weighs close to four pounds but we split it up so mm -hmm. that we were each carrying about two mm -hmm. um and we each had a pair of crocs with us yep yep for water crossings and just for camp shoes camp shoes which i love and i will still take those with me to this day we each had a pair of ultra lone peaks yep from the beginning, I carried another pair of shoes with me. So I'm carrying three freaking pairs of shoes with me. Well, you carried the boots from the beginning? I, I carried a pair of waterproof Hoka hikers. Oh my gosh, that's right. Yep, mm -hmm. yep. So I had my Crocs in my two side pockets. I had the Hokas hanging on the back in case it rained. And then I wore the Ultras on my feet. Dude, this it, is overkill. It was a shit show. We also had the Nemo switchbacks the little foam pads oh yeah <laughs> we had those as well for our sleep system that i forgot to mention and then we also had heavy raincoats mm -hmm. we had puffies our mm -hmm. heaviest puffies mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, <laughs> I, had, I had like three layers of jackets um and a pair of gloves i, I think i had two pairs of socks and then mm -hmm. i also oh the down booties forever and ever i will have those like they are what, 0.1 ounce, and they are the warmest thing I put on my feet at night. They're like one or two ounces. One or two ounces, yeah. Oh, yeah. perfect. Z-Pack down booties. Dude, those are, are the best. Oh, yeah, night clothes. Night clothes. Yeah. Uh, we just had our packs <laughs> crammed full. Yeah. All this to say that we didn't know what the hell we were doing, and mm -hmm. we were we were packing like we were going into doomsday and never going to be able to access... Anything. Anything ever. ever again. Yes. So our yeah. packs were around 40 pounds with food in them. I could not. Once we had packed our bags for the first time at Bob and Brenda's house before we flew out, mm -hmm. I could not actually pick it up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was great. So these suckers are cramful. One luxury item I did have with me was a GoPro and a GoPro mm -hmm. head mount. So it's a strap that goes around your head. You put the GoPro on it, you can walk around. And also my second and only other luxury item was a book. It was called The Lost Art of Reading Nature's Signs. So we got all this junk with us and we go to Bob and Brenda's after we sell everything. All of our stuff has been shipped to Amber, Amber my sister, base camp sister, except for a few boxes that we took with us to Bob and Brenda's. Yeah. So we're kind of basically committed at this point yeah and the other thing too is we had a ton of hiking gear that we were going to switch out after the sierras which amber also got yeah so we were like carrying i think it was even 45 because i could easily carry 25 pounds yeah i could not carry this like every every step i took on the trail was difficult my legs felt like they'd give away almost all the time it wasn't until we switched all our gear out that i actually felt like i could 
manage the weight. I will, I will say our base weight to begin with, was probably I, I hate talking about base weight, was probably about 25 to 30. And then you throw in all the food in the water. Oh, that reminds me. We, we decided to, again, because I had budgeted out every day, we decided to get five days of food at the start, you remember? So that yeah. probably added who knows how much weight. Yeah. So we were like crammed, yes, crammed to the brim. Yeah, we had... Five days of food oh with gosh. us, starting from Campo. Yeah, we did not know. It was our first through hike. and We I, were wee lads and lassies. Yeah, and I would read comments from people that had done through hikes. And they're like, ah, oh, you don't need so much food. Like, just carry three days worth. You don't want to break your back at the beginning. You know, you don't want it to make, to make it that hard for yourself. Man, we, but we did it. And people were shocked. And you absolutely did not need that much food because you're getting to Marina the first or second day. And and you you can can do a full resupply there. You sure can. But it's just funny how while we were on the trail, even in the Sierras, people were shocked how much our bags weighed. And they couldn't believe we'd made it that far. We were those people. We were those people. And that's okay because we learned. I definitely learned. And I think when you start a through hike, especially your first through hike, you do feel like, I need everything. I need comfort because you're going to be out there for, you know, however yeah. long. And mentally, there are certain things you just want to hold on to. Uh-huh. <laughs> but, the, but the longer you're out there, the more you start realizing weight is everything. Yeah. And there's, there are things you can live without. You can, you can let someone do a shakedown for you and go through all your junk and let you know what you will and won't need who's already done the, the trail. Mm-hmm. Or you can do the real experience if the PCT or whatever trail is your first <laughs> one. Take all the shit you think you want, you think you'll need, and then quickly realize what you do and don't want. And then just send it off or give it away. Like, uh-huh. that's just really what happens. You'll put it in a hiker box. You'll yep. send it back to some designated person at home. Yeah. Or you'll just toss it. Yep, yep. Yeah. How did you feel... Babe, when, um, I guess, what were the emotions you went through as we, like, go to the airport? I know I was feeling a lot, but Uh what were you feeling as we were heading to the airport, you know, and then we landed in San Diego? Just all of that leading up to before we started. I think I was excited. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. I mean, I'm a 34-year-old man at that point, Mm -hmm. so I'm trying not to, like, smile and giggle and be all bubbly, (laughs) but I was pretty excited to be leaving home for a while, leaving work, leaving stresses of the normal day-to-day life behind and like flying to California, the state that I've never even been to, kind of going with this this new adventure that we were about to embark on. So I was stoked for it. How about you? I think I was, um, I was very excited. I was really nervous because mm-hmm. it was just so unknown. Like we didn't know what we were getting into. I had no idea. Uh-huh. And we've done like a week long hike before, like mm-hmm. gear shakedowns and stuff. This is so unknown, you know, being out there for six months and you're in different terrains, different territories, different environments as you go through it. Mm-hmm. So I think I was nervous, but I was super excited as well. And, and I just knew like we got here. Holy shit. Like we did it. So we fly into San Diego. We, we spend the night there, the day that we fly in. That's right. We packed everything in our backpacks except for the kitchen sink and fuel canisters because you can't fly with fuel cans. Kitchen sink? That, that was a joke. Oh. <laughs> I was like, what? 
<laughs> I didn't understand um, that joke at all. And so we had to go to REI in San Diego to get fuel canisters because um, we need those for our cook stoves. And the REI was out, completely out. Yeah. Um, they said it had to do with... They said that they were running... Oh, they had a overage of fuel canisters. It was a long, complicated story, but they needless didn't have to say, any. they didn't have any. But they told us to call the little like grocery store in Campo. In Campo, because they had heard that they had plenty. Yeah. And so Campo had fuel cans. So Yay. we didn't have to worry about that in San Diego. So we stay in San Diego that night. We go out to dinner with Bob and Brenda. And the next morning, we all hop in the rental mm-hmm. van and drive us all the way down to, to Campo. And the drive was not what we expected. It was beautiful. Yeah, it was green rolling hills, trees everywhere, yeah. less vegetation. And we're like, this is Southern California. This is the desert. We were not expecting it. And most of the documentaries we'd seen, no one captured this. Like, no one showed in my opinion, Southern California. We always heard it was a desert, so we were expecting a desert. What we experienced was what Wesley's saying, like these green rolling mountains. Mm -hmm. And it was just, it was breathtaking. And I'm sure in March, like it's probably way more green. Yeah. um, You know, than summer. Yeah. But I remember, let's see, they, we go to Campo and we drive to the Southern Terminus. So this is the day before we started March 5th. So they take their, their big Dodge Grand Caravan Uh rental and they're driving it up this washed out dirt road mm-hmm. to the southern terminus. It was really sweet. And and you can see the terminus, but before you see that, you see the wall separating oh. Mexico from the U.S. It's like this big, rusted, monstrous looking yeah. dark thing. Now, whatever you believe, like we're not going to get into politics on this podcast. But the wall is ugly. But the wall was actually a very wild feeling for me because I was like, whoa. I mean, I don't know. In history, anytime anyone has a wall, it always gets torn down at some point. Mm -hmm. And it just, it was just a really weird feeling to see such a separation between Mm -hmm. the U.S. and Mexico. Um, Yeah. But then they, so then Bob and Brenda, they dropped us off at Cleef. Well, they, they took us out to one last oh, that's right. lunch, lunch charade. That's right. A little lunch in Campo. Uh-huh. And then took us to Cleef and dropped us off at this, like, massive, what was it? It was like a horse park. It was like a horse farm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And no one was there. There was one little tent uh, there. And, and there was a big camper. And there were a few yeah. tables and, like, some cooking supplies thrown about but no one there that we could see so interesting cleef was advertised as a hiker friendly starting point Mm -hmm. you go there and they hook you hook you up with breakfast and with dinner yeah and kind of give you pointers before you start and so we were like well i guess we'll just pitch our tent here yeah the cleef campsite is basically managed by the two elder hikers um one is papa bear Mm -hmm. quite the legend (laughs) <laughs> and the other hiker is actually named Legend. If you've ever met him, you can understand why he's legendary. You will never forget him. You won't. Yeah. I think our time there was interesting. We had Sweet Papa Bear came in and we uh, got to talk to him, hang out with him. He gave us some beers. We helped them cook dinner, kind of. Spaghetti dinner. Spaghetti dinner. And it's the first time I've ever had celery in my spaghetti. Yeah, it was it was a, it was a Though, you know, no, it was, it was a good little compliment. It was, yeah. All of a sudden, Legend comes back 
with how many hikers? Three or four? Three or four. Maybe four, because it was the guy with the kilt, the older guy with the and the two hat, girls and the two girls. Yeah, yeah. And they already had started their hike, their through hikes, and they were at Lake Marina, and a huge storm had hit right before that, like a sleet storm, snow, like a cold, wet rain snowstorm for two days. Yeah. And they were like freezing at Lake Marina and Legend picks them up and is like, I'll give you a warm place to stay tonight. Yeah. And so uh, we had dinner with them. We heard more about them, who they are. Um, We never saw them again, actually, after that. Yeah. We all had a giant campfire meeting inside of Papa Bear's camper. It was pretty packed. Without the campfire. (laughs) And of course, there was spaghetti. There were a few beers going around and... Legend gives some very like detailed emotional stories, like trying to get us all in the the spirit of the through hike. Hiking. Yeah. yeah. He said something very funny, which uh, did stick for the rest of the through hike and was sometimes like, uh, I should probably not listen to this advice right now. But he did say one thing and he said, never turn down something someone's offering you. Yes. Never turn down someone's. Even, <laughs> even if you don't want it, take it and give it to someone else. Yeah. But there was one time where we were in the middle of nowhere, uh, north of the Sierras and a guy offered us canned food and there was no way to open it. There was no way. And it's very heavy. And so we turned it down. That was the only time we turned down a gift. I think that's the only time. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway. Yeah, and, and Everclear from Guino. Oh, yeah, that's that's a fun story we'll get into. That but was yeah. random. So we go and get in our tent that night, and it's our first night really in the tent, kind of on the PCT, but not really yet. Um, it rains a little bit, and so we're already looking forward to a, a cold, damp morning and packing up a wet tent. Yep, yeah. But we get up the next day. We get up pretty early. We got up pretty early. I couldn't sleep the whole night, probably in anticipation. And we were on a hill, so I kept sliding into the tent. Yep. That was fun. So we're we're up probably at like 7, 7.30. Mm-hmm. We're packing up our stuff into our bags, and we're already realizing there's things here that we don't want to carry with us. Mm-hmm. And so we get together like a little baggie of stuff to put in a quote-unquote hiker box. We have already... <laughs> So I've, I've dumped off my book already, and I've gotten rid of my head strap for the GoPro and a bunch of little, like, stuff bags for junk. Mm-hmm. And so we shave off probably a good pound and a half just in the tent that morning, cumulative. Probably, yeah. Yeah. Then uh, we get out that morning, and uh, they're, they're making pancakes, and uh, Legend offers us some coffee. <laughs> <laughs> in these old coffee mugs that were stained and looked like they've been used for ages. The coffee grounds are in the coffee. Like, what did he call it's it? Cowboy, cowboy coffee. Cowboy coffee. Yeah. You know, we eat uh, pancakes of them, really good pancakes. And then yeah. um, we see a couple hikers go by. What are they, Aunt Jemima pancakes? No, they were the crust. Uh, Crusties. Crusties, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We see a few hikers go by that had already got, started at the terminus and were heading out. Because you have to, oh, that's the thing. You have to go by Cleef. Um, what is it? It's two miles past the southern terminus? No. Cleef? No, it's not it's even half a it's mile? not even a mile. Oh, so it's like half a mile or Yeah, it's it's like a ten minute walk downhill to Cleef from the Southern Terminus. It's really close. So so that was why we stayed at Cleef, because then we can just hike to the terminus from there and start. But you literally go through Cleef when you start your hike. Yeah. And so uh, Legend was trying to stop hikers. <laughs> and like, lasso them in for pancakes and coffee. Some came over. And also, he wanted them to take a hiker's vow or something. I can't remember. It was like a safety 
it was it was quite funny. He'd get upset if people passed and didn't get to talk to him about safety. Yeah. We walked up the dirt road, not up the trail, but up the dirt road that Bob and Brenda drove us mm-hmm. the day before. We get to the terminus and there are two reps from the PCTA there with a little SUV park and they've got a table. Mm-hmm. And that's where they hand out the badges give you like a breakdown and trail etiquette, mm-hmm. leave no trace, yada, yada. Yeah, and they gave us these cute little PCT things that we could hook onto our backpack. The badges. The ba- Yeah, the badges. Which a lot of people we found out didn't get those. Not really sure how you can get one and we, how that works. We but, were fortunate. But we were really, yeah, we were very fortunate. We, we took vows with them about protecting the environment and leave no trace. And I felt like we were sworn in rangers. At I know. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of nice. And then we took pictures. Like They were like, do you want us to take pictures of you at the Southern Terminus? So we did. Uh-huh. And then we did our picture of like, okay, when we get to the end, we need one that we can splice together. High-fiving ourselves for finishing. Yeah, so we did that. And then we started. And then we started. We sat there for a minute, kind of in silence, yeah, soaking yeah. it all in. How did you feel about all that? Again, still excited and kind of like, let's do this. Also, a little anxious for the unknown because we had six months ahead of us and who knew what was going to happen or what terrain we were going to hike through, except for the pictures we'd seen. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So it was a lot, but I was, again, just stoked to be out there. Yeah. Yeah. And then we started and we started, we just started walking. And then we walked by Cleef 10 minutes yeah, later. later. <laughs> and we waved and we kept going because we were like, we don't want to get sucked back in. It's already, it was already like 10 a.m. It was getting late. So we were like, all right, let's just get out of here. <laughs> so we're fueled on this massive greasy pancake and like three cups of coffee. Uh-huh. We hit the first mile marker and then we hit like a two mile marker. We're, we're tracking all this with our, um, our Garmin Phoenix watches. Marie's got the six and I've got the the seven. Mm-hmm. Which we had given ourselves as Christmas gifts. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but also it was more for um, safety purposes as well, because on the Garmin Phoenixes, you can map it or it'll GPS map you. And we were thinking for the Sierras, if our phones do end up dying at some point, we'll have backups. We mm-hmm. have our watches if we need to backtrack, if we get lost, yeah. anything like that. So we bought them for safety purposes for sure. There are some things out there, redundancies don't hurt and a little bit extra weight won't kill you yeah and safety is one of them safety is a big one so we were going trekking along just doing our thing and the first people we came across were these three women they were taking a break filtering some water and one of them what was her name interviewer interviewer was one of them she She was raising money for for something. something and she had a van that was supporting her along yeah. the way. So we say hi, just do the pleasantries, and then we hike past yeah. them. And I remember them saying, oh, are you guys not stopping for water? Because we were like, oh, we're pretty sure there's water up ahead. And we had loaded ourselves with water, though, too. Yeah. And so we were like, no, nah, we'll be good. Because I, I thought there would be water at mile 15. Mm-hmm. And so we were like, no. Because I think that was the last water source, actually. One of the only few until Marina. <laughs> until yeah. Marina. And it was at mile four. Five. And the next one isn't really until Hauser Creek at 15.4. Which was what well, we thought it was there. But yeah. Supposed to be there. Suppo- quote, quote, unquote. Quote, supposed to be. Because no one had, again, on the Far Out app, um, people start commenting. No one had commented about it. And we are some of the earliest starters. And it had rained a ton right before us. So we were hoping that there was water there. We hike on. We stopped for lunch. Yep. I forget what we even ate that day. Some tortillas oh, or gosh. something. Probably tortillas and tuna packets because that was all we had packed ourselves uh-huh. <laughs> for a while. And um, and these three women leapfrog with us and they hiked by us. 
Mm-hmm. And one of them is like, I think I've got a trail name for you. And she's looking in my direction. And she's like, I think you should be called the Deluminator. And I'm like, what the heck is a Deluminator? And apparently it's the thing that um, Dumbledore gives Ron Weasley in Harry Potter. It's like, it sucks the light out of things, but also you can put light back and it shines the way. It lights the way. It lights the way. Um, yeah. Which is a cool concept, but... There's a lot of reading into that, unless you are an avid Harry Potter person. So I sat with the name and didn't commit to it yet. Yeah, he didn't fully like it. But you know what I do think? Did she knight you? Mm. I thought she knighted you, and that's where we got the idea of knighting people. I think she did something. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. And so, and then we started knighting people after that uh-huh. for their trail names, and people knighted us. But... Anyway, but yeah, you didn't fully take that name. He wasn't sold on it. No. And then we ran into a, a couple, Brandon and Carly, who were from Colorado, yep. like us. Yeah. And and they even stop. And he goes, are you guys the Colorado couple? And we were like, yeah. He goes, oh, we're from Colorado too. I'm like, oh, cool. So we talked to them for a while. And they were Zooming. They were planning on getting to Marina that day. Because they were like, oh, are you, are you going to Marina? You know, and we we're like, no, we're just probably going to get to Hauser Creek and Mm-hmm. and be done for the day. So we said bye. And that was the last time we ever saw them. We never knew what happened to them, and then we found out almost at the end who, the, like, that they were still on trail. It was cool. The guy from that couple was actually one of the main people that we followed their reviews on Far Out. Yes, he, B-Lord. He went was, by the name B-Lord. Yeah, on Far Out. And we yeah. would watch, We would. I would read his comments because he had such helpful comments throughout the entire far out app and i think we were just a couple weeks behind them so it was pretty accurate to what we were going through and weather terrain as well so then from there we hike 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 and it's starting to get dark it's about mile 13 at this point Mm -hmm. we get to the top of a a ridge and on the far out app there's like a little campsite icon Mm mm-hmm and we hear these people like rustling in the bushes and come to find out there were quite a few up there, but we stopped they were hiding. <laughs> to talk to t- these two guys who were on the side of the trail in a like a little cove carved out of the Manzanitas. Thomas and Nathan. It was Thomas and Nathan. So we stopped and talked to them. They offered us a spot, but we're like, no, we got to keep going down the Hauser another, yeah. another two miles. And then Thomas is like, are you guys the ginger and the joy, which is our Instagram name? And we were like, yeah. I'm like, how the hell did you see us and recognize us in like this almost pitch black twilight? And then we put our headlamps on there. And, and we hiked by two other hikers. Yes. April and Kurt. Her, her dad. They were drinking a six pack of, what was it? Modelo? Something. I don't even know. They always remember. have Modellos. I just remember they were laughing when we came up on them and they were like, oh my gosh, people. And. Kurt was like, we haven't seen anyone all day. And we were like, really? There's like tons of people behind you. Yeah, just above you camping. And then we hiked on and off with April for a while. Throughout the trail. Throughout the trail and even stayed in contact with her after we didn't see her for a while. But We actually named her. Yeah. But we'll we'll talk about that later. Yeah. um, And so then we we leave there. We hear a very strange cat noise. It sounds like some mountain lions fighting or mating or or something. Yeah, (laughs) mating or fighting. So we get the heck out of Dodge. Uh, hike down a little bit further, and there's this red light flashing in the darkness. With a button. With a button, and it's an emergency beacon to evac hikers. She's like mile 14. Like 
Yeah. 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 I, I guess, you know, sometimes you go out there, you're underprepared and you just need to get out. And also, I think probably once it gets hotter, like in May, yes. I can see why people, if you're dehydrated, don't take enough water and it's super broiling hot. Uh-huh. I can see where that would be a space because it's road access. But this is mile 14. And yeah. This is the only evac button on the trail. That's it. It was so weird. I was like, what about the Sierras? And like, I feel like there'd be one in the Sierras. Yeah. And it's six. <laughs> miles away from marina there's a giant lake all the amenities you could possibly need mm -hmm. so you have to be in a pretty sticky situation to push the button yeah you'd have to be in a real bad shape from there it's it's pitch black at this point yep we have our headlamps on we hike down another mile to hauser creek and there are a few people camp down there mm -hmm. and i was like shit is there a camp spot because you know we've got this big three-person tent <laughs> not easy to just find spots for it but we do. We yeah. find one next to the dried up creek bed. Um, mm -hmm. The water that we had hoped would be there wasn't. Wasn't. It was a full on dried up creek. Yeah. But apparently the water is flowing about a mile downhill. Yeah. If you want to walk out of your way a mile and then come back, there's water down there. And we were like, uh, I think we're good. Like we had, we still had three or four liters, three or four liters that we had. So. For, for dinner, for drinking, for breakfast yeah. and uh, get to Marina. Yeah. Another five miles the next day. Yeah. So we thought we'd be okay. We'd just use it sparingly. And we found this beautiful, massive campsite by a tree. It was cool. Under a big oak tree. Mm -hmm. yeah. It was beautiful. And mm -hmm. we explode our backpacks, pitch the tent, make some dinner that I don't even remember what it was. It might have been potatoes. Who even knows? And I don't remember either. we crash hard. Very sore, back hurt, feet hurt. Overall, just pure exhaustion. Did you ha start having blisters yet? No. Okay. It's like, all right, we're doing this. We're here. Yeah. That was our first night and first day on trail. Yeah. We'd already made a few possible friends slash family. It was cool. And so that is our start and day one. We'll pick this back up where we're leaving off next time. Well, everyone, thank you so much for listening to our episode of... Yeti walks into base camp. We're your hosts. Yeti legs. And base camp. If you want to follow along on our social media or our YouTube channel, which we are trying to keep updated daily, uh, you can find links to that on our profile page. And please be sure to like and subscribe if you enjoyed this podcast. And coming up is a jingle from my best friend slash cousin, Bradley Black. Shout out. Thanks for the jingle, man. Thank you, Bradley. And as we say in the hiking community. In the community, hiking community. <laughs> happy, happy trails. trails.